You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. We're kicking off the new year by minding our melons. Seriously. We're talking to a safety pro about that interesting Virginia Tech helmet study, air vests, and more. Plus, Doug stops by to give us an update on the winter circuit in Wellington. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 106 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Our first of the year. Woo, woo, woo. I know. Yeah. 2023. Happy New Year. And just Happy New Year. we're in the same state, just hundreds of miles away from each other, but pretty close. Well, actually, no, I was uh, till. Uh, yep. And then we came home this week. Oh, uh, so we longer. were there for two weeks and then home for a couple weeks. And then Doug actually goes back to Ocala, even closer to you for a training camp. And then uh, I'll stay at home with the horses, most of the horses, and then we'll go back to Wellington in February. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I know we'll get more into this later in the episode, but I can't wait to hear about your uh, Wellington stay. I feel like you guys came literally during the only two weeks of winter we had at all in this state. Oh, no, we only had like three days of it, but okay. it was really cold, actually. So it yes, was. It was very, very <laughs> I don't want to hear cold. it. <laughs> I know. Poor Ellie. It was still sunshiny and beautiful, just cold. Yes. <laughs> no. Do you guys, uh, you guys have any like fun New Year's resolutions? I'm not really, I don't know. So I, I mean, feel like I just like try to restart, like restart my system, restart everything, but I never really, I don't know. I'm really bad. I don't really make like resolution, like goals or whatever else. Oh no, I'm so terrible. Like, like I always do the opposite. So I made a new year's resolution to gain weight in the hopes that maybe if I, <laughs> if amazing. I make it like, it'd be like reverse <laughs> psychology on myself. So that's my goal. That's All right. I like that. I like that. I, I have, I'm not really a goal person either, but I have one this year, but it's part of my rose. So I'm going to make you guys okay. wait to hear it. We'll wait on it. <laughs> okay. So this episode is brought to you by Eagle Gold. Um, so Ellie, you got a drink for us this week? Yeah. So I have the Golden Grapefruit Bliss Mocktail for dry January, which is a mouthful, but it sounds really good. So it's six ounces freshly squeezed grapefruit juice. It's about like one grapefruit, four ounces of turmeric tonic concentrate cooled. And to prepare that, you kind of have to like steep a tablespoon of the turmeric tonic tea in about five ounces of water uh, at a boiling temperature for like six to eight minutes. Um, And then you can add like honey if you want to sweeten it, Uh, but then you just strain it and let it cool. And then you add eight ounces of sparkling water uh, chilled add your ice and then you can garnish with some grapefruit salt on your rim uh, which is optional but always better um so if you choose to salt your rim you put that in do all the fun stuff then you're going to combine the grapefruit juice add your cooled tea concentrate with ice from your cocktail shaker and shake it vigorously uh and then you're going to strain it and uh Top it off with your sparkling water and your ice. That actually sounds really good. I really want to try it. Me too. I know. This is a good one. I feel like especially like, okay, yeah, when you're in Florida and it's warm and stuff, but like going into spring when we're like getting a little warm, like it'd be a nice, like refreshing drink. Yeah, definitely. So I have some fun news for you guys. The Major League Show Jumping Tour, which is this whole tour that consists of a bunch of different teams and they compete against each other, but then there's also FEI events alongside most of them, if not all of them. And so basically they kind of tour the States and Canada and Mexico, and they have like all these different tour dates and they have announced that to their schedule, they're actually going to do a five-star in Tryon and it's going to be in October And it will be alongside the normal two-star and try-on. So a lot of um, different FEI show jump courses will have a two-star and a five-star in the same week. And so the Major League Show Jumping Tour is going to bring their teams and their whole tour to try-on, which sounds like a lot of fun. And that does sound exciting. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah, and it's kind of different. Like 
there are some individuals that compete. You can compete like with teams. You can get kind of selected to be on teams. So you guys, it's a very interesting concept. Like it'd be a lot to go into the show, but you guys should kind of look into it if you're interested because follow along, like you can kind of start to pick your teams and sometimes people sub in and they are consisted by a bunch of different people. And it's super fun to kind of follow along and watch. I'm definitely going to have to watch it online. Oh yeah. No. And it's, it's all live streamed and everything else. Like they do two weeks in Canada, a couple weeks in Mexico. They go to California. They're kind of, they do Traverse city. Now they're adding uh try on. There is a ton. So it's super interesting. Ellie, what do you have? Uh, I've got an interesting one. It's about hay nets and like the pros and the cons, basically. And what I think is super interesting is the Kentucky Equine Research put on this study uh, with nutritionist Ashley Fuller. And the thing is, right, we all know hay nets can be super beneficial, you know, in terms of cleaning stalls, right? You're you have less waste in terms of, you know, it's really good for slower food intake, which is longer forage, which mimics the time that horses should be spending on pasture, right? Makes their stomachs not empty, which lowers their likelihood of gastric problems and creates that like splash guard for the acidity in the stomach. And hay nets also help with chubby horses, uh, which has <laughs> been a lot of the time that I've used them. Um, you know, if you have a horse where you can't put down you know, four flakes of hay and call it good at nine o'clock, right? You leave their flakes in there so that they'll actually have it for the whole night kind of thing. But the negative to this, the con to this is that um, the head level, obviously it doesn't mimic the natural position of grazing for the head and neck, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but it actually does have um, some negative consequences you can have the nasal passages not draining um, since the head is not down properly, uh, which can cause respiratory infections. Uh, Not to mention that hay is often dusty and having hay, you know, having to be so close to the hay and really burying their heads in it, it can induce asthma flare-ups. And then also what I found really interesting was that when the horses pull the hay like from like a like a small hole feeder, the pull pressure is really high. So it, then they pulled higher, like the the pull. Yeah, sorry, this is really confusing, but it's really interesting. So when the hay net was higher, the pressure on the pull was actually less, which I would have thought the lower, right, the better because that's closer to the natural position. Uh, but I was wrong. So in the low position, the hay net's about an inch above uh, the withers. And in the high position, it's about a foot above the withers, uh, which is like closer to face level. And it was um, higher uh, with smaller holes, uh, which makes sense. Um, But then it was also higher in the lower position. Obviously, like the pull forces depended a lot on, um, you know, whether the hay was like high in moisture content and things like that. But I found that study really interesting because it kind of goes against what I would think would make sense. Um, And Fuller concluded with, you know, these pressures may cause some wear and tear on the dental and musculoskeletal systems, specifically of the neck and the back. So that's just things to keep in mind if you're using hay nets on a regular basis. I actually had to stop using my, like I have hay mangers in my stalls and I had this issue with Berkeley about two years ago when I bought my my hay steamer because he was starting to have these like asthma type symptoms. And once I started feeding him on the ground again, a lot of that went away. So that was really, it was interesting. Um, and it's a definitely a cool research study. And if you guys want to check it out, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I thought this was super interesting. You know, I'm feeding my horse a lot more hay right now because he's on stall rest. So it's, you know, i packing hay bags every day. And he is someone who, I mean, he's a horse who cribs, right? So um, he's someone I've always kept on a floor feeder for that reason. And it is interesting. Like I've noticed him get sore with some of the hay bag placements. So we've had to experiment a little bit. So it's just not something you think of, right? When we think of hay nets, you think of all the positive benefits, but not that 
there could be some some cons that you have to think through, right? So I think this is well-timed and interesting for me personally. Yeah, absolutely. What have you got? All right. So every year the USCF names Riders and Horses of the Year, right? It's part of their honors that they uh, dole out at the annual meeting. Well, we have the 2022 winners, and I want to share with you the two horses that won the titles this year, because one of them is one of my favorites. The International Horse of the Year was Salvino, which is the um, Adrian Lyles ride. She had that really unbelievable CDI five-star finish February last year, where she had a personal best score of an 85.58 in Wellington on him. She calls him Vinny. And this is, it's, there's just some really nice quotes from both Adrian and then also the horse's owner about their partnership, which obviously is the reason why we do this, right? Is to have a relationship with the horse. And it's just cool to see Adrian, who also was named um, the International Rider of the Year by USCF this year, just received that praise for all the hard work she's put into this partnership. So I was really happy to see that. The other horse of the year, the National Horse of the Year is Canyon Creek who made a name for himself in the Hunter Circuit in 2021 and really had a great year with Hunt Tosh last year. Um, It's, he's just, it's a beautiful horse. So it was cool to see both of those guys win top honors this year. Oh yeah. I love that Vinny horse. Mm -hmm. He's so cool. So we just want to give a shout out to everyone who donates to us on Patreon Uh, Every little bit helps keep this show on the air, and we love producing podcasts for you. Uh, It's Gosh, it's been years now, and we're just so happy that Heels Down Happy Hour is still here. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, you get access to some exclusive stuff like behind-the-scenes look at Doug and Jess's barn, some personal updates from Ellie and I, and always some writing exercises and extra goodies and things to know from the guests that we have on the show. You can contribute to Patreon by going to patreon.com, which is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash heels down. I know it doesn't directly affect you guys because you're not riding Western yet. I'm sure I'm going to convert you, though. We're going to get you guys up to Pennsylvania and have you riding some Western ponies. I made Matt do it the other day on Q, and he's never ridden Western. Well, like he's ridden Western, but he's never ridden a like cow horse trained western horse so he like couldn't understand he was like why does he slow down when i put my leg on him i'm like yeah that's kind of like how he is (laughs) like and i made him spin him and stuff and i think he had fun towards the end but the biggest thing uh that i wanted to talk specifically about western is my eco gold uh secure western pad especially with having batman in rehab right now and me myself Uh, not feeling very secure in the saddle and being grateful for those magical horns on the front of Western saddles. The secure pad has really helped me with Batman, right? He's on rehab and he's a little cranky about it (laughs) because he's not getting as much turnout as he's used to um, and not as big a turnout as he's used to. So he's a little spooky. Um, The other day, I'm not really sure what he started spooking at, but he just started reversing very fast. And then when I kind of kicked him to go forward, he decided to rear. It wasn't like super high or anything, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, And I stayed on, which I'm proud of myself for. But uh, it was really nice to not have my saddle move at all (laughs) during those kind of situations. I'm really appreciative that I have the ability to use this secure pad that's making it like feel safer for me as somebody who's recovering from these flare-ups. Uh, With my MS, that's, you know, I'm not secure. So this is really helping me. Uh, It's also helping Batman a lot because with his rehab, you know, he's having to readjust. He hasn't had a saddle on him in a year, right? So he's readjusting to the weight and the pressure of both me and the saddle. So I really am loving that impact protection um, that he's getting from the EcoGold Secure Pad. Um, And just in general, I really, I really appreciate these pads. And I'm hoping that I can get more secure to get back to it. But like, I mean, Q is a cow horse, right? And having a pad that holds when you chase a cow down the fence and stop and turn and go the other way, that's not a small feat. And it definitely, definitely helps. So if you guys are interested, you guys should definitely go to ecogold.ca and check out their Western secure pads. 
That's awesome. Obviously, we talk about a lot about Eco Gold as it relates to you know the English sport disciplines. But I, it's funny. I'm starting to see the Western pads like out there in the world, you know. And it's always fun when you go, oh, I know that's an Eco Gold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the thing with the Western ones, right, is you know when we show, we throw one of those wool weaves over the top. So even there's a lot of people who have these eco gold pads, but you don't get to see them because we put, you know, the fancy woven ones over the top. But yeah, they are definitely very helpful. I've seen them in pleasure divisions. I've seen them in, you know, reining in cow horse. So yeah, they're definitely, definitely a great pad. Awesome. So I am very excited to introduce our next guest. It is Catherine Winter. She started Ride Equisafe. And not only has Catherine been in the show world at the Hunter Derbies, she's done the, you know, medium amateur 130 jumpers. She's dabbled in eventing. More of a fun note that we always joke about is it turned out after she became a client of Doug and I's, she actually has known me since before I was born. My grandfather had a big practice um, and a, he, was a, he was a cardiologist and Catherine's father bought it. And so Catherine has been part of my family before I was part of my family. <laughs> so when she found out that she was like, we're going to be lifelong best friends and clients and I'm here to stay. I hope you like me. I was like, okay, <laughs> perfect. So welcome, Catherine. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So first off, you've been with us, obviously a ton. You've been with our horses, everything else. Um, you kind of tell your side of the story about like how you decided like with the connection, but tell all the audience kind of the horses you've had with us and everything else. Yeah. So I started riding with you guys. Gosh, has it been like eight years now? I think a long um, time. it's been a long time when you were building your farm and living in Aiken <laughs> and supposedly we're moving in three months and you didn't move for like five years. <laughs> um, <laughs> literally and, it was the longest joke she's like this is the longest three months of my entire life guys. yes very much so um thank god i liked you guys thank but, god thank god we're family <laughs> yes exactly so i came into the program with a mare that i was doing in the meter 30 jumpers and she was just game for anything so um one day we're like let's do her in a hunter derby and then another day we're like hey let's let's try eventing her and she would just do anything and the first couple times i went cross-country schooling i borrowed uh jess's vest and decided that i needed my own and i'm pretty data oriented i like being able to analyze things and i found it was really a struggle to get good information about safety equipment and what was best for my particular needs. So I ended up flying to Land Rover to watch Doug, maybe just a little bit more so to visit the trade fair and try to educate myself about what the different options were for safety equipment. And kind of that kind of stuck with me as to why was this such a challenge and fast forward a few years and Ride Equisafe was born to kind of address that, that gap that I saw in the market. And so you've started it and now, you know, it was this little bitty project that you thought would be a good idea to make sure that you could educate people because that is something you have a passion for. You're very good at like, okay, look, I want to deep dive into this and then educate everybody about this. And now the new thing is safety, which we're all so appreciative of. Like, I didn't know half the things that she tells me safety wise. <laughs> and now kind of tell the readers, uh, the listeners, how everything's going with it. Cause you guys have been booming. It's It's been super good and it's been so rewarding because our thing first and foremost is that we exist to educate people so that they can make an informed decision for themselves about how to stay safe in the saddle. So I view myself first and foremost as an educator and secondarily as a retailer. Um, but I want people to have good and accurate information about what's out there, what the options are kind of blowing through some of the myths that we see out there so that people can make those decisions more effectively. And just like you said, it it started small and it has just grown in leaps and bounds beyond what I really thought it was going to grow into. I mean, if you would have talked to me three years ago when we were just starting and asked me, hey, are you going to be a sponsor for a Land Rover? <laughs> I would have been like, no, we're not going to get that big. So just being able to reach such a broad audience has been just exceptionally rewarding. 
Catherine, I really appreciated the insights you've shared just on a variety of safety elements, uh, you know, on social media, on your website, from air vests to helmets. And I'm a journalist by trade. It's what I do in my day job. So I, I feel like this conversation of misinformation that you kind of see out there, it's just important to me. And I feel like you kind of see a little bit of that and the stigma around some of these safety things, especially air vests, right? Where people are like, oh, I don't, I don't need an air vest. I don't want to wear a vest. Why do you think that is? Like, where does that come from? Do you still feel like there's an uphill battle on just the literacy of understanding why we, we use the safety equipment we use? I think it's gotten a lot better just as some of the equipment has become more mainstream. And that's especially true on the hunter jumper side Mm -hmm. for the eventers. They don't have an option for some of this, right? You you have to wear a helmet. You have to wear a body protector. If you want to go cross country, there's just no option. And then of course the air vest is optional on top of that. And for the, for the hunter jumper riders, and now we're starting to see more dressage and, and pleasure riders. It, you know, it's new for them. And unfortunately, the uptick in that market happened a lot because some really high profile and very well liked professionals were severely injured and, you know, their lives have been exceptionally negatively impacted. And I think that really made it real for a lot of hunter jumper riders, especially. But I think that there's this fear that it's going to get mandated and I don't want to be mandated. I've ridden for 40 years and I've survived that long. So <laughs> I'll survive the next 40 years. You know, I, I hear a bit about that. I certainly hear some of the myths that are out there, you know, with Airbus, for example, it's going to spook my horse. And my response to that is, well, you're already falling. So <laughs> what difference does it make if they spook, if it's, if it's saving you from injury or you know it's gonna it's gonna spook other horses in, in the arena and and things like that, um, you know. So I think some of it is just a bit of concern about being mandated to do something versus being able to make the choice. And then there's definitely you know a, a good series of myths out there that I love spending time trying to debunk and putting videos together showing Doug falling off at an air vest <laughs> that it's not going to spook a horse and things like that. It's totally <laughs> fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So I have been really interested in um, all of this with, um, I actually have been recovering from a multiple sclerosis flare-up with like paralysis. Um, And one of the things that really I've been doing a lot of research about is a new helmet. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course I saw that Virginia Tech study, right? Um, It was super interesting and definitely started a lot of conversations, especially on social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, What were your main takeaways and what do you tell your customers after reviewing that study? So I think one of the really important things to recognize about the Virginia Tech study is that study was focused on concussion risk only. And, and part of the reason that the study was structured that way is that the researcher's perspective was that we have other certification programs like ASTM, like PASO 1.5, SNELL, VG1. All of those different certifications test for different things under different conditions. So the researchers felt like, okay, crush and you know, striking a hard edge, getting kicked, things like that. that testing was already done under the other certifications. So they didn't feel the need to reinvent that wheel. And so they focused only on concussion risk. So with helmets, you have to think about it kind of the same way as you would go shopping for a horse. What are all the requirements that you have? What needs to get covered? What are your non-negotiables? And you shop with all of those criteria in mind. And helmets are the same way. You're not usually looking just for one criteria. You're looking for multiple. And you need to look at the full spectrum of information that's out there about the helmet to be able to determine for yourself, is this ticking you know, the various boxes that are important for me? Um, so one of the things that I did right after the results came out, because immediately people were kind of freaking out <laughs> about what it meant, is I put together a grid for each of the 40 helmets that were tested in this first round to show, okay, well, maybe it rated this way for, for concussion risk through Virginia Tech, but here are the other certifications that it has. And My perspective with helmets is the more certifications, the better. And so you should be looking at all of this information. And the the ranking of the 40 
changes when you take all of the different certifications into account. So if you have a helmet that fits, that is first and foremost, most important. It has to fit. And then you start looking at the other things, but people should not be running to go immediately exchange their helmet. They need to do their due diligence and look at all of the information to make a decision. Oh, absolutely. That definitely makes sense to me. What is like your overall wish list, I guess I would say, for safety goals or advancements you'd like to see in the equestrian sport? And do you feel like we're making strides towards those goals? So I think the great thing about the Virginia Tech study is we've already seen some some changes coming from manufacturers. Um, I was actually at a trade show in Dallas this past week where we had a bunch of helmet manufacturers there. And I was able to have conversations with several of them. And they're responding to the helmet study exactly as we would want them to, where they're saying, we've already reached out to the researchers to learn what can we do to make our helmets better. And they're incorporating changes into their manufacturing process. So that is exactly what we want to see on the helmet side. On the AirVest side, for example, we don't really have a harmonized testing standard. We don't have a testing standard at all in the U.S., Um, so that's a change that we would definitely like to see because I certainly get clients that contact me asking like, what research do you have? What data do you have? And it's, it's not a lot. It definitely needs to be more. And Virginia Tech is talking about now launching a body protection study. And I think that that would be a great start so that we can more definitively say, an air vest works or an air vest doesn't work or an air vest might even cause harm. You know, the information we have right now is using crash test dummies and anecdotal data. And having Virginia Tech do a study on body protection would be a huge improvement for the market. So switching gears a bit, you mentioned earlier that you have now become a sponsor at the Land Rover Kentucky event. And this year you have some exciting news. Not only are you a sponsor, you'll now have two locations. So why did you decide that two locations were necessary? And why did you decide to invest more in more significance of this event? Well, Land Rover obviously is just the premier eventing event that we have in North America. And we've got now the Maryland Five Star that we also did a sponsorship of the past year. That's a newer event. It's it's building its identity. It's growing. But for Land Rover, this is an established event. You know, people know what it is and and the shopping at Land Rover is legendary. Well you said and- originally you went to Land Rover kind of to watch Doug. This huge thing that people they save up all their money to go exactly. to Land Rover. Yeah, exactly. And so we did a, a, a 900 square foot booth this past year down in the trade fair. And even with that much space, I felt like there was so much more that we could bring um, to introduce to people. Because again, we take that education piece very seriously. And I know that when I came to go shopping. I didn't even go to the trade fair. I stayed up on the main sponsor row and up by the Rolex arena. So we're now going to have a a 400 square foot booth um, up in the secondary sponsor area, right by where the merchandise tent is, which is also a great location. And we're going to be right next to Fairfax and Favor, which that's one of my favorite shops. So that might be dangerous for me. And then (laughs) they're going to be like, oh, we got extra. You're like, great. I got extra. Great. I'm going home. (laughs) I'll I'll trade you some air vest canisters for some boots. Um, (laughs) And then we'll have our our 900 square feet that we did this past year again down in the trade fair um, with safety experts in both booths. We're still trying to figure out kind of how we're going to configure each booth, you know, how if we're going to do like shops and shops of our different brands, or maybe we'll have a booth that's more focused on air vests and stirrups. And then the other booth that's focused on other other things, we're still trying to figure that out because it's a lot of space that we get to play with, but we're really, really excited to have both of those locations to serve people. Now we're super excited because people can run in and grab it and you always have amazing inventory. Unfortunately, (laughs) we know this, like I go shopping a lot. I'm like, I'll just pop into (laughs) Catherine's. I'll go buy more. I love that. One of my clients stop in and we're like, Beasley, we need to go shopping. She goes, Catherine's here. Don't worry. We got it. (laughs) So um, tell everybody, all of our listeners, where they can find you. Because I know you're online and 
you have a lot of online presence, but now you're, yeah, we've got the two locations at Tryon, I mean, at um, Land Rover coming, but tell about the different places you have currently now. So we have really spread out for the winter, trying to get to as many locations as possible. So we have our our main kind of brick and mortar, if you will, at Tryon International Equestrian Center, and they're actually doing shows all through the winter. This is the first year they've really done that. And then we have a location in uh, in Florida at WEC Ocala. We're also doing a booth at Hits Ocala, and we have a booth in Wellington. And then I also have some other reps spread around in different parts of the country. So even if we don't have a booth, my reps have full sizing sets to be able to go to barns or go to people's homes to do fittings. And we will even fly to meet clients. Um, We had a California group that asked us to come out and we flew out there for three days um, and did a huge group of fittings out there. We've been to Colorado four times in the last year. Um, So we will definitely travel to, to meet people's needs. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was so fun. And Thank you to all of our listeners for listening and go find out more. We will put in the show notes where you can reach Catherine. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jess. No problem. No slipping, no sliding, no problem. EcoGold's secure saddle pads are engineered to keep the horses back comfortable while keeping the saddle in place for a safe, competitive ride. They have impact protection through the seat and have the ultra-thin flaps that provide the rider with better communication and a more stable riding position. Available in both English and Western styles. Shop the entire collection at ecogold.ca. So our next guest is no stranger to the podcast. You guys, please welcome my husband, Doug. Hey, Doug. Doug. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) How are you? Good, good. So we wanted to have you on to talk about you and your training and everything that's going on this winter. I know you guys were just down in Wellington and spent a few weeks down there. I always love that you're so like you're I feel like you're very candid on your social media. You share a lot of the ins and outs of your program, what the horses are doing. And I thought it was very cool to see you taking lessons with other professionals while you were in town and horse showing. So I thought we'd start there and talk about, you know, how, how do you decide, uh, like, when do you know you need a lesson and what are you looking for, you know, when you're looking for someone to put eyes on your riding and your horses? The wonderful thing with going down to Wellington is that you're surrounded by the best in the world riding. And I think there's a ton of benefit just even watching in the warm up or the competition arenas. There's a ton you can learn just by watching. But again, at the same time, being that the best in the world are there, if you can figure out a time and place to, you know, get some additional help, that's always advantageous. And, you know, whenever it's available, I'm going to jump at the chance because you're not going to get better by just uh, sitting in, in sort of status quo, you know? Gotcha. That makes sense. So uh, tell us more, like, tell us how was Wellington for you? I know you had a lot of horses going in the show jump ring. Yeah. So we're, um, at this stage in the game, we're probably, I don't know, 65% jumping. Um, we've got three Grand Prix horses going, one doing the FEI this past week, and then two younger ones. One did actually his first FEI in the fall, but they're just stepping up to it. And those would be kind of the headliners. And then we've got a, um, a boatload of younger guys coming along as, as well as clients and, um, people that are working with us. And then we did bring a handful of event horses too, that are just getting back into work and, um, really needed, the exposure and could benefit from it. So we try to make this, um, you know, as beneficial as we can and, and try and get as much exposure as we can. There's no better place. I don't think to show. And, and like I said, the value added by just being able to watch everyone. And, and frankly, you just sit in a warm up and you could be in a, you know, a, a meter class and busy's warming up a horse and, you know, any, any and all. And, you can learn just an absolute tremendous amount. And frankly, it's all there in front of you if you want to pay attention to it. And so we, we absolutely love it. We're here. Uh, we did two weeks. Now we're back home for three and then we're bringing a different plus a few additional, um, our next trip down for another, another two weeks in early February. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me like, what is the, what is the vibe at West these days? I feel like, um, Florida's getting a little crowded, right? There's some competition from other venues. So just curious, like, do you feel like 
Weck or I know Terranova is a very new one, but um, yeah, I haven't I haven't yet shown a Terranova. We very well might be in uh, in March coming into April. There, I've heard great things about it. Uh, we have shown at WEC. It's a wonderful facility for sure. And then, of course, down in Wellington, I I don't know. I, I'm I guess completely partial to it, but I'll be pretty frank in that I think the very absolute top notch. You know, if you look at the FEI rankings, average FEI ranking in these classes. I think the best in the world are still at Wellington. And to me, there's there's just an absolute ton of value in that. Um, not that the other venues don't hold, you know, their particular advantages. And there's certainly something to be gained by everyone, probably everywhere. But um, for us at this stage in the game, um, that is that is where we're headed. That makes sense to me. So we do a lot of videos, obviously. And we record a bunch, maybe tell our listeners and stuff like you love to send the videos along and you've had a lot of help along the way at just even sending small video clips. So, you know, tell maybe the listeners the importance of what we find in videos and maybe they can, you know, pass that along so that you're not always having to get one-on-one help in person that tell them kind of how we use that as a useful tool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think video doesn't lie and somebody can tell you all day long that you're doing some oddball thing and you're like, ah, it's not that big of an issue. And then all of a sudden you see the video and you're like, wow, I really am. I look like a monkey. I'm up there doing whatever oddball thing it might be. And I think it just really, for me, I'm a, I'm a very visual learner anyway. It just hits home instantly. But the other thing that we, or that I try to take advantage of is I've, um, you know, over time become, uh, good friends with a number of people that have been super successful in their sport. And, you know, I would say for the most part, you know, top professionals or even, you know, whomever it might be, I think everybody's willing to, and wants to help people that really want to help themselves. And so take advantage of that. And it could be your trainer could be somebody that you've seen somebody, whatever, strike up a conversation and say, you know, could I send you a video of a round and just give me a quick assessment of what it might be? And, you know, more often than not, they're going to say, yeah, no problem. Just send it on over and you can uh, pick up the phone and, and talk about it. And that to me is just absolutely hugely valuable. Again, I think every time going in the ring, you're looking to improve, you're looking to try and get better. And this is the, for me, it's the most efficient way that I've found to, to try to do so. Absolutely. I mean, that's, those are great tips too. So Doug, I feel like, you know, there aren't so many other riders out there who, who do a variety of disciplines like you, and you have a specific string for eventing another string for show jumping. I know start witness is, is heading down this lovely dressage. Um, yeah, we're going to hit that up too. That's, I know. Ho- hope it, hoping to hit up a Grand Prix this, at least one this year. And I'm just hoping he does it at the same show as like a trial <laughs> and that I don't manage both. Yeah. That's what I'm praying for. Our, 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 yeah, our 23 goal is for her to do a first Grand Prix and it would be mine as well. And then, how cool. Um, yeah, we're looking for Quincy Duda's first five star at some point this year too, jumping. So I that know, would that's be, amazing. I just, that'd be how pretty do you, amazing. How do you do it all? How do you juggle all? Because, I mean, I, I, I just, tell you this, good, good riding is good riding, right? And there's something to learn by any and all of it. And it could be, frankly, okay, you go in the, go watch an international derby. Those guys are so freaking good, you know, or you go to a dressage show, the top guys are amazing. Or you go, last year we went to the NFR and watching the Cowboys doing stuff and like, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a lot to be learned by all of it. And, you know, lucky enough for sure that, I grew up in a environment that was primarily dressage and eventing. And then obviously we've added the jumping to it and there's just a drive to want to learn more. And, and if you've got horses that have a distinct skill set that could be advantageous for one discipline or the other, I'm going to try to be the best I can. You know, my goal always is to try to figure out how to go to whatever particular show it might be and whatever discipline it is and not be tagged as an outsider. You know, I want to be legitimately competitive wherever it is we're going. And, you know, most of these horses have been with us from the beginning. So we know them really, really well. And, um, you know, Quincy's done through four star. Now he's, we got him, I think he was four when he arrived and uh, star witness hadn't seen it a 
any sort of cross country jump or whatever, and um, certainly hadn't stepped in a dressage ring. So in that way, the partnership and relationship you have with your horses, I think you can always draw on that. And in a you know in a stressful situation, that's a, a huge advantage. Definitely. I mean, I just I don't know how you keep all those horses going at at such a high level. Uh, obviously, they all have their own individual needs. Oh, uh, we've and- got no. I tell you this right off the bat: you couldn't do it without an exceptional team mm-hmm. and and group behind us. And um, we've got a, a great situation at the moment um, going, and and that's that's the only way that you can. You and can what do you really mean by that? Going. Like we have people at home. We've got a rider at home that can ride everybody. That when we're gone, she does a really good job. We have a guy at home that stays and manages everything. He can lunge them. He will probably end up riding a couple in the next few months to years later. And then the girls that go on the road with us really, I mean, they make it honestly all possible. That's awesome. It's very cool to watch. Well, I appreciate that. It's uh, no doubt it's still a work in progress. You know, we're trying to trying to continually figure out how to how to do it better, how how to get the most out of you know, the horses and opportunities we have. And, um, you know, from there it's, um, I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a whole lot of fun when, especially when it goes well. Absolutely. You know what else would be fun to watch? I think it's time to get Doug on a cow horse. I'm going <laughs> to read. Okay. Yes. So, so we had a great, good friend of ours and client and her long-term partner boyfriend is, is in the hall of fame for cutting. So we did go sorting and oh, that was, where's so much this fun. video? <laughs> I, I, I loved oh my it. Oh my God. We, I would, I would go hit that up and I'm telling you what, we spent a couple of days in Vegas for the NFR and that was so much fun. Like I, in another life, I could totally be doing that. <laughs> I need to see video <laughs> evidence of this. And also I'm just going to like sign next time you guys are up in this area. I'm just going to sign us up for a team penning. That's what we're going to oh, do. I'm, so. I'm there. I am totally there. <laughs> Let's hit that up. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Cause I tell you, know, the interesting thing we've got also, I mean, luckily we lived in Aiken for quite a long time and, um, we're, we're very good friends with a number of guys that were very super high gold polo. And I tell you what, you talk to the really good polo guys. There's so many similarities to what we do. Uh, it's, it's all the same when it comes to horses in the end. Yeah. It's, it's just so fun. And it's fun to hear somebody, you know, as high up as you, Doug, talk about the value in different disciplines. Cause I feel like so often, you know, the younger generations and stuff think you have to stick to one and you can't, you can't branch yeah, off. I think, and that's I mean, it, it's, you know, that's hard. You know, I, I don't want to, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I, I don't want to be super critical, but you think even, um, I mean, just in mass sports, you look at specialization, you get kids getting pressured to, I don't know, go play golf at age five or something like that. And they're like, that's all they do. But I think exposing everyone to a variety is, it can only help. Right. And especially with horse sports, I mean, you're dealing with the same animal, you're asking them to do a whole bunch of different things, but frankly, their process of learning, developing, you know, getting strength and confidence is all, it's all the same. It, it is just a different application for it. That's awesome. Are you staying for Rose and Thorn, Doug? Oh, I'm yeah. here. <laughs> I got to start thinking on this one though. I didn't oh. get a heads up, you know, you guys have been studying <laughs> on this for two weeks. True. All right. So who wants to go first then? I can go first. Okay. Uh, my rose would be that we went, we were down in Ocala and we went to Wellington. This, no, Ocala. What? When we went to the wedding. <laughs> oh the yeah. That was, was, that was, that was way wedding. before that. Okay. Sorry. We, we were in Ocala. <laughs> okay. It's my, it's my rose. <laughs> so my rose would be that when we were in Ocala, we had this beautiful wedding and we made it to midnight. Which was shocking. Well, it was on New Year's Eve. It was Eve. on New Year's Eve. So oh, good for you. So that I was did. the amazing thing is that we, my friend got married during the day at Ocala. And then she had an all day thing. We took a nap, all that to rec- like regroup everything. But we actually made it to midnight, which was amazing. So that would be my rose is that I thought was pretty impressed with ourselves. And then my thorn would be the long trips that we've been doing. And so that's not really a thorn, but just the amount of traveling we've done, but that's our lives. So that's yeah, just I, can't, I don't right think you complain too much about that. No. <laughs> yeah. The opportunity is pretty incredible. So who's up next? Do you want to go Doug? Yeah. I think somebody else needs to go actually. All right, I, all right. I still need a little bit of time it. here to knock this out. 
Okay, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> um, so I guess I guess my rose should probably be that also on New Year's, Matt and I celebrated our anniversary. Um, that four score and seven years ago, <laughs> we started officially going steady and I'm still not engaged, uh, <laughs> or married. I, I was just going to say like, Matt, if you're <laughs> listening, uh, what do you, how many like? years are we looking at? Seven. That's a solid number. Yeah, it is. Uh, the thing is though, uh, in, in reality, uh, like, if I married him, like my taxes would go up because he makes more money than me. And <laughs> that's amazing. Um, that's a big part of it, to be honest. And like, especially now with like the whole MS thing, if I ever had to go on like social security disability, like I wouldn't be able to get it if we were married. Um, no kidding. That's crazy. Yeah. So I looked into all that because when you're stuck in a hospital and can't move your right side, you, you figure out stuff to do. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I figured eventually we're just going to have an unlawful wedding ceremony because I still want to have like horse pictures and a wedding dress. I mean, the wedding doesn't really matter that much. I just want pictures of me in Berkeley and me to be like, you know, professionally dressed up. Just kidding, Matt. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess my rose would be that we are somehow still living this life uh, together and it's crazy and it's hard to have seven horses in your backyard and be a two man show. Um, but it's fun. Um, so that would be my rose. Uh, my thorn would be that Batman is getting stronger with his rehab, which has made rehab a little harder. <laughs> now he's up to almost 20 minutes of trotting and lots of pole work. And he's getting pretty bored because um, I'm still only supposed to be doing long sides and things like that. And I'm I'm never a person who just rides around on the rail because it bores the heck out of me and it bores the heck out of Batman. So he's really like annoyed. He's like, where are our serpentines? Where are our circles? Why aren't we doing anything fun or trail riding? So he's getting a little sassy. Um, At 20 minutes, though, you're pretty close. I'm, I'm hoping we're not we're not like loping yet, but he has a recheck on the 30th. So I'm hoping that they say he can move out of his 24 by 24 turnout yeah you, you gotta be pretty um, close yeah i mean with the amount of rearing and bucking he's doing not with me on him just like standing still or in a 24 by 24 i think he feels fine i mean i think he's always gonna have a little bit of a hitch um but that's fine with me but my thorn would be that i wish it was going faster <laughs> so that i could yeah. just put him outside because i think it's really i mean he's a cribber like mikey you know uh and uh so he's really he's going a little stir crazy i mean he's been in a stall for a year with like select turnout and so that is still my my thorn but fingers crossed that uh we'll be getting some good news that is recheck and i'll have to share that on the the next pod all right fingers crossed all right doug all right so rose <laughs> would be we just finished up uh the first two weeks stanton wellington and the horses jumped unbelievably well so that was that was a huge benefit. The thorn side, our kids just started school, which means, of course, we're all sick. And so <laughs> that is... I blame that part on travel, too, though. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's... That's why, uh, that's that's why I sound so amazing right now. Sounds like there's two men on the phone right now. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> this is me right now. Thanks. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, kids are Petri dishes. Yeah, oh, yeah, like feature dishes on legs, for sure. Yep. <laughs> All right, is it me? Is it my turn? I think it's your turn. All right. So I'll be a Debbie Downer in that probably the the only word I can use that is safe for the horse radio network is crap. I had a really crap year last year and that my horse was down with a suspensory. And then literally the week of Christmas, we we did it again. So we're back at square one. No. Yeah. Oh, no. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 So, um, we're back doing the shockwave and I'm trying to like reevaluate what's the best plan for him. Like, does he need to go to like a rehab place? Cause we're very lucky. Ocala's not far. Should he just go live somewhere? I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, and then my dog died this month. Oh my God. Yeah, I saw I that. Know. That was terrible. Like very unexpectedly. So, 
that was also crap. Um, but I'm still trying to be hopeful that 2023 is going to be better. So I did, you know, the most adult responsible thing I could do. And I bought another horse. So, right. So, so. so I have another horse. Um, he's right off the track. Like he raced in December. So we're going to see where, where it goes. So far, what have you so done good. with him yet? So I bought him from the same friend that I bought Mikey from. Um, so somebody I, I know well, obviously, and I trust her and, uh, she warned me he was a little bit of a tough one. She's got a lot of younger kiddo riders and just he was just too much horse to have at her farm. When they say a little bit of a tough one, what's it doing? Uh, they were blindfolding it to get people on. Mm, that's true. <laughs> 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 so I was like, oh, OK. But then she was like, but look at him trot in the pasture. And I, I drove down and see him to see him based on that video. So so have you been on him? Oh, yeah. She got yeah, him. I got him yesterday was the first time. But I so I bought him. Did you blindfold him? No, I didn't. So I bought him. I bought him maybe two and a half weeks ago and I just immediately turned him out and got like pulled the racing plates off of him, got him off the high, you know, like the jet fuel racetrack diet and just let him chill and just started working with him on the ground, like pressure release, doing different things, um, started putting a saddle on him. Uh, you know, everything is just new and confusing. He's eight. So he, he raced a long time. So, oh, yeah. You know, like cross well, ties. Outside of that, honestly, if he's coming off the track eight and still physically solid, like you're set. Yeah, yeah he looks really good. He looks great. I'll, I'll send you guys videos. I'm really excited about him. He's a beautiful horse. But yeah, so I it got to the point where like he was. What's he, his What's his name? Warfeather is his jockey club name. I like what it. Are you calling I, him. I want to keep Warfeather, but we call him Wyatt. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, he's really he's starting to come out of his shell and um. He's quite friendly. And so, yeah, I got on him for the first time yesterday and he was great. Like, didn't put a and foot you, out of you got off, Hey, you got off voluntarily? I did. Yeah. That says Excellent. more than Doug. Doug fell off today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Third. He got off one of the young ones. And my favorite part was, so I'm on the phone with him and he's like, oh man. I'm like, what? He goes, I just fell off. I was yeah. like, wait, what? Because he rides with his earbuds. So I was like, what happened? Like, did it fall over, trip? Like, whatever. He goes, no. Wait, no, no. Wait, let's preface this. So, ride with earbuds all the time. <laughs> if it's a really, like, solid, like, concentrating situation, I'll listen to music. If it's, like, kind of the middle of the road, you're on a trot set, podcast time, right? Or, in this particular case, young horse hacking in a field situation, I'm on the phone. We're cruising along. Because he was just hacking up the field. So, he's at the top of our property, not in the arena. And the horse spooks whatever bucks him off. Well, no, spooks tries to rear. We've had a ton of rain. If anybody lives anywhere in the central, <laughs> yeah. whatever U.S. anywhere, and, yeah, anywhere. <clears throat> so like, almost goes to slip, almost goes to fall down. She sort of saves it. I definitely don't, and so off we go. And then she's like right there, and almost got the rain, and then pff, gone. So like, she runs see back ya. to the barn. Right? See ya, yeah, see you, so you had to do the walk of shame. So, oh, no, even better. No, no, this is the best part. <laughs> so, oh, no. Robert, our new guy, who's amazing, he literally... He's freaking hilarious. He, he run, he like, all of a sudden, I see the gator coming flying up the hill, which is awesome, because it's, like, probably a 10-minute walk back to the bar, basically. And she made it in, like, about 34 seconds. And he goes, did you call an Uber? I said, <laughs> oh, yes, I did, actually. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, that was perfect. Yep. So is so then we had, back home. Yeah, so we got back home and uh, went round two and went back up the hill and we were good. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, none of that yet for me. He's been really great. So, but um, yeah, I liked that you talked to him, though, on his video. You were like, I'm not letting you put your head down so you don't fuck me off. <laughs> I'm like, you That's tell him, amazing. Justine. <laughs> Justine tells the stories apparently. He's just a nervous guy. He's confused by people. You know, like he just looks at me like, I don't understand what you want, you know? So we're just going to take it slow. But I do like That's him. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. That's it. Okay, actually, Doug, while you're still here, you might as well just stay on for the mailbag. I'll read it I'm to there. you guys. All right. Because mailbag was my idea, by the way. He in the beginning. For this. <laughs> in the beginning. All right. He told us so, we had to have one. Damn good um, idea, wasn't it? Okay, you can't say that. Cut. No, but you can say that. <laughs> damn, damn is totally acceptable. 
I think you damn is okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Completely. You don't have to. Cover. I just can't say like the one up of of crap. You know. Oh, it's amazing. I haven't said that to be honest. Yeah, I know. So, um, all right. So Margie wrote in our Facebook group. She has a question um, about her wedding. She's getting married this summer, and she's having it at home with all of her fur, fur children around, including four horses in the backyard. Uh, so she's looking for ways to basically set up the horses for success on how they will interact with guests. If, you know, guests want to come up and say hi to the horse. Is there any signage you would recommend or treats that are safe for them to eat? You know, 45 people are going to feed them treats. Or what would you do if you're going to have a farm style wedding and people who aren't familiar with horses may be interacting with your horses? My first off guess would be putting up like a do like mini carrots or something. So they're not feeding like whole carrots and everything, but you know, those like tiny baby carrots and do a cute basket, like with a sign that says, you know, please be careful, you know, be aware of this, but like do something cute. Like I'm not very good at like sayings and stuff like that, but like maybe a cute idea. And then maybe do some sort of sign that says like, you know, make sure you're careful with feeding the horses. Make sure, you know, not to lose a finger or something kind of funny. But you probably tell them how. So you probably flat finger. But flat like hand. maybe have in some sort of signage or a picture like a flat hand. Or maybe just do like a little demonstration at the beginning to have somebody say, Hey, look, if somebody wants to feed the horses, make sure you're very careful that they don't think the carrot's a finger. Right. A lost finger at a wedding would be really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like just to be like the Debbie Downer of the like legal side, make sure you check the bylaws for where you live to make sure you have the proper signage. I mean, obviously, one would hope that someone coming to your wedding is not going to sue you, but heaven forbid that anything crazy happens. Um, like, for example, like where I live in PA, I have to have two equine liability signs that are like, completely visible um in order to be like you know free of legality if you know someone goes and pets a horse and it steps on their foots and break it or you know something like that so those kind of things i would be super careful about just because like growing up and stuff i've seen so many barns get screwed with this kind of stuff just from like random people who you know came to pet a horse and give it an apple but so that would be just the kind of legal thing to make sure yeah and then yeah i think you just got to know your horses right like mine the one that cribs is just always mouthy so like he, he he's gonna bite a kid you know if given the opportunity yeah. so like he's not one i would leave out in the field for people to interact with you know but i just i feel like with that many people for me personally i would want to put my horses away yeah i don't know if i'd want you know, random strangers touching them, but it's, it's a personal decision. We did yeah, make sure like could've... we, we had a party, you know, when our, we got married and our wedding party was at the farm. We put all of them in like the back kind of fields. And we did leave some kind of clothes that were like the nicer of the two that wouldn't, we knew wouldn't bite or anything else, but we didn't encourage treats and everything else. But yeah, I mean, I think, after listening to Ellie, maybe would be a little bit more scared than what I was thinking. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, yeah, there's been some bad stuff. I mean, it's really weird, like in Pennsylvania, or at least my area of Pennsylvania, like there are really weird equine laws. Like literally I can't, like if, if you came on my farm and my horse kicked you in the chest, killed you, right? I'm not liable as long as I have those signs up, unless I have a trained attack horse literally says what? that. So yeah, I mean, so literally like my neighbors have free range horses, like as long as they don't cause an accident on the road, they're not liable for anything. Obviously if they like wander into somebody's yard and, you know, break a lawn gnome or something, I mean, then that's something else, but like, um, <laughs> so just a lawn it's gnome. Just, I, I don't know what those horses do. I mean, they don't really go anywhere. They never come up to my house, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just a good thing to check. I mean, and you can always do like a, like a double fence thing like zoos have, right. Like, um, you know, buy like temporary fencing and, uh, you know, just put up a string of, you know, Hey, you guys can interact with the horses 
you know, by waving at them from five feet from their pasture fence, you know, so that way you're, you're looking at safety. And the last thing you want to do is in a wedding dress, have to go separate a horse or, you know, and you don't want right. to be distracting from your wedding day, right? You don't want to be distracted like, oh man, you know, so-and-so just bit Billy, you know, like that's not what you want to yeah. be thinking about. So I think what Jess said, it was like, you know, putting them in the back so you can see them. And it's like, oh, yay, look, horses. But they're not, like, close enough to, like, cause mental trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so there you go. Hopefully that helps, Margie. Um, if you want to send us a question or, or have a question you want us to answer on the air, you can always send us an email by going to hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or you can join our Facebook group. It's a whole lot of fun. It's the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark, our daily equestrian newsletter. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. We want to say thank you to our partners this week, Eagle Gold. And all right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers.